Welcome to the Compliance Perspectives Podcast. I'm Adam Turtletow from the Society of Corporate Compliance and Ethics and Healthcare Compliance Association. Joining us today from Atlanta is Steve Paskoff. Steve is president and CEO of ELI. And today we're going to be talking about the recently passed Speak Out Act. Steve, first, thanks for taking the time to talk to us today. My pleasure, Adam. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining, and thanks also for making me aware of the act. I frankly didn't have it on my radar. Um, Maybe you can start by telling us what led to the drafting and passage of it. A lot of factors coming together. First, you had Gretchen Carlson and Judy Ruginski from Fox, who started uh, what is called Lift Our Voices about harassment in the workplace and both had been limited by NDAs when they were at Fox. There are also Harvey Weinstein victims who have complained that they could not get their stories out because of uh, NDAs, Me Too, and then the prevalence of these agreements throughout the United States workplace. Some estimate, according to the statement issued by the administration, that a third of the U.S. workforce is bound by NDAs, which can help it interferes with limiting workplace harassment. All of these came together, and the law was passed in a bar- bipartisan uh, vote. So what does the law say exactly? Well, the law basically is limited to non-disclosure agreements in the workplace that deal to sexual assault and sexual harassment. It doesn't deal with race, sex, religion, and the others. And it doesn't apply to settlement agreements with NDAs after an offense has been settled. And it doesn't apply to conduct that occurred before the signing of the act on December 7th, 2022. Hmm. But for all else, uh, I take it it says that basically it's not legal to have an NDA when it comes to harassment and sexual assault? That would be correct. And it deals with sexual disputes. And the language is a little bit uh, broad. It is certainly going to be subject to some litigation as to exactly what it is that's covered. Well, it'll be interesting to see how that evolves. Now, what should compliance teams do to ensure that their organizations are in compliance with the Speak Out Act? Well, if you think about the fact that it affects roughly a third of the workplace, they're going to have to communicate affirmatively that these kinds of agreements are no longer lawful. They're going to have to inspect their agreements going forward to make sure that they cover the proper terms. And they're gonna have to be attuned to instances when maybe people are still trying to implement them and there are rumors of that or people are speaking up and saying, this is still happening. They're gonna have to take that seriously. Well, it sounds like most things in compliance is gonna take a lot of vigilance. Now, as I understand things that this, doesn't only apply internally, it applies externally for organizations as well. Um, Is that right? And how does that work exactly? Well, it it means that some of the the non-disparagement or the NDA terms applied to discussing within the workplace and outside of the workplace. Now, that 
legitimacy of those provisions as it relates to the sexual categories I mentioned no longer applies. Here's what that really means. It really means if I come to work and I am exposed to certain conduct of a sexual nature as described in the law, it could be that I would have been bound not to talk about them publicly. And now, going forward, those types of provisions do not apply. Now, of course, there'll be legal discussions about whether it applies to this fact pattern or the other, and there's some ambiguity there. But what it really does, it increases the risk to employers that if they allow certain behaviors to occur, they can't block them with NDAs that can affect their brand. And even more, well, just as significantly, it can affect the reputations and names of those who are excuse me, charged or identified as engaging in that type of behavior. That's significant. Yeah, it certainly raises the risk bar tremendously for these for organizations um, and also no doubt protects potential victims and by hopefully giving people one more reason to hesitate to behave badly. Now, but people being people, some will immediately look for workarounds to subvert the law. What should compliance teams be on the lookout for in their organizations? First off, they may hear rumors, you know, someone's still trying to use those NDAs to have an, what we used to call an ad terrarium effect. may not be legal, but it will scare someone into being quiet. If compliance is hearing about that, where people are not forthcoming about what they're getting people to sign, they need to look at it very closely. The other aspect of compliance as to what compliance officials and leaders should actually be doing I would say is to go back to the compliance standard of prevent the behavior that the pro is the problem to begin with. Make sure you have adequate systems, not just technical systems to detect it and then correct instances of misbehavior. That's what this law is really about. And one of the uh, leaders talked about the fact Lois Frankel, I believe her name is, is that what we're trying to do is hold abusers accountable and change the culture of the workplace. And this is another form of compliance culture that's critical for compliance leaders to focus on at this point. Absolutely. Um, it, it's a vexing issue. There's no doubt about it. So if there are no NDAs, arbitration, um, is arbitration requirement still possible, or does the act address that as well? Now you have another requirement that was passed earlier that re, that relates to uh, forcing arbitration in certain instances. And that too has been dramatically changed. So you have two things changing issues that were designed to prevent disclosure and remove the possibility of jury trials in favor of arbitration, where you have lesser opportunities for huge damages, typically less publicity, and arbitrators who may be more conservative or pro-employer in their judgments than you may get from federal judges. So taken together, this increases the risk to employers eliminating arbitrations, as a as a uh, to have the same impact as they've had, and then non-disclosure. So the damage to reputation to individuals and of a particular group, particularly if I could go into that, 
and the organization's brand is much greater. Now, if I may, Adam, let me talk about the leaders or those who are really should be concerned about that. These are prominent people, big names, who have relied, if you read the headlines, if you read the news, you read the history, they have relied on their position. And I think the point was, well, we have arbitration we can rely on with these folks. We have NDAs that we can rely on. We'll pay them off and be done with it, and I'm not going to worry about it. That is changing now. And that's why the focus and compliance must change immediately. Well, and it sounds like it's quite a change for both accountability and integrity. Now, when it comes to issues like this and a lot of others, um, it's not a once and done thing. Other laws are likely to come, regulations. What's likely to come next in terms of measures related to these laws? You mentioned, for example, that race, religion stuff is not covered in this act. Do we think that will be coming next? That is the speculation from what I'm reading about, what legislators are speculating about. They're saying that sooner or later, it's very possible that race, religion, age, national origin, disability, GINA requirements, which deals with genetic background and gender, were also going to be covered. It only makes sense because the same kind of balance of power, so to speak, applies. And if the Congress is willing to pass a federal law and have it signed by the president dealing with sexual harassment and sexual assault makes sense to me that the laws would also be strengthened eventually to deal with the other groups that we discussed. Well, it's another example of the fact that for a good compliance team um, and for business as a whole, it's best not to just look at what the requirements are now, but also to try and understand what direction expectations are going and start preparing for that now. Well, Steve, thank you for joining us and calling attention to the Speak Out Act. I want to thank all of you for taking the time to listen. I'm Adam Turtletow from SCCE and HCCA. I hope we're able to expand your compliance perspective. <music>